So sometimes we think we know. You start the journey and you think you got something in your head, but God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything you can ask or think. Father, we thank you for your word today. Your word is living and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing between soul, spirit, joint marrow, judges the innermost intentions and thoughts of the heart. Lord, I thank you today for the power of your word, that it has the ability to transform our thinking and our speaking and our acting. Father, I ask that you would pour out wisdom into your people today. Father, show us how to live and walk in the Spirit so that we could live lives of faith pleasing to you in the mighty, awesome, powerful, wonderful, one and only name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're talking about hearing the voice of God this month. I know the beginning of the year, the the word of the Lord to us, that the things that the Lord says with His mouth, He will fulfill. The promises He makes with His mouth, He will fulfill with His hands. In the month of February, we jumped into praise and uh, praising God, why we praise God. And then the Lord dropped it in my spirit that we needed to talk about hearing His voice. Because if He's going to fulfill the things He says, then we need to hear Him speak to us, right? And I think this is one of the things that we all need to learn as we're growing. Who in here is already established in this foundation? You hear the voice of God. You know how God speaks. Raise your hand. Lift it in the air real high. All right, so this is a real thing. This is not just a neck thing. This is a real thing where everybody can hear the voice of God. Now, there are some people that have never heard the voice of God before. They haven't had the clarity to hear and know what we know, right? And living this way is the best way to live, right? Because the Lord gives clear direction, and He shows you exactly what to do, how to do, when to do it. Mike is sharing a testimony today. You know, he's sitting in the truck. A guy comes up to him to give, and he's like, no, I ain't giving. And then the Lord says, give the man money. That's a total different story. That's the difference between what I want to do and what the will of God is and what God wants to do. And we need to be on Wi-Fi, hooked up to heaven's radio, that at any time God speaks to us, we're ready to do what the Lord says. Right? And in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, we, can, we read about Adam and Eve. And when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So in the Garden of Eden, man had relationship with God. From the beginning, that was God's plan from the beginning. James chapter 2 verse 23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, And he was called God's friend. Imagine God calling you his friend. And the reason he was his friend is because God spoke to him and Abraham obeyed him. If you want to be a friend of God, you need to obey God. Anybody want to be a friend of God? All right. Then we have Moses, Exodus 33, 11. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So if God was doing this in the old covenant and Jesus in the new covenant is called Emmanuel, God with us, and we got the Holy Ghost right now, 
That means God wants to speak to us today. Matthew 5, 8 tells us that the pure in heart will see God. And so the key for us to hearing God is getting the heart clean. Look at the person next to you. Say, clean hands, pure hearts. And what my wife was talking about this morning was that we have to deal with the sin nature. We have to deal with the selfish nature. That's one of the first things that we have to deal with if we want to hear the voice of God. Because as long as you identify as a sinner, when you see yourself not as righteous, I hear people that are saved, they say, we're all sinners, right? Well, no, I used to be a sinner. I'm not a sinner anymore. I have been saved by His grace, and now I am the righteousness of God. But the problem is if, you're, if you get saved, but you're still practicing sin, there is a voice on the inside of you that judges you and condemns you. And that's the voice of condemnation, where you feel like you're a sinner. And yes, you are, because you're sinning. You're doing things that you know are wrong. So how do you get rid of the voice? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you change your thinking and your speaking and your acting, that voice goes away. You won't hear the voice of the devil accusing you any longer. We need to get rid of that, and we need to see ourselves as righteous. Say, I am the righteousness of God. And so we no longer identify as sinners. Because if you identify as a sinner, you're going to do what man did in the garden. You're going to hide. You're going to be afraid. You're going to be ashamed. And you're going to be making clothing out of fig leaves to cover yourself. You're going to get into religious practices, doing things to prove to others that you're righteous. But righteous isn't something that you do. Righteousness is something that you are. And from being righteous, doing flows. Everybody with me? So that's the difference between being saved by works and being saved by grace. First Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. That means you are a spirit. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a physical body. Say, I am a spirit. God is spirit. He made you in His image and in His likeness. So that's one of the first things that you need to recognize. Is that God is spirit. You are spirit. And when God speaks, He speaks to your spirit man. It's a spirit-to-spirit -spirit relationship. Everybody with me? When you get saved, you have to decide who's going to be in charge. Is the soul man going to be in charge? Or is the spirit man going to be in charge? Who is leading your life? Is it your mind? Is it your emotions? Is it your feelings? Is it your five senses? Is that how you're living? Because the soul man lives through the five senses. Looks at the bank account, looks at the refrigerator, looks at the gas tank, looks at the people, what they're wearing. It goes by how it's feeling. 
When you live that way, you're not living by faith. You're living by your soul. Your soul tells your body and your spirit where we're going. But the spirit man is different. The spirit man doesn't live by the senses. The spirit man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's a whole different lifestyle. Because when God says something, it's already, it's already laid out for you. He's telling you what's to come. He's not telling you, I'm going to try to figure it out as you go. No, he's saying, this is in your future. Walk that direction. And as you're walking, the provision comes. I'll give you an example. I'm going to give you a lot of examples today. My, my wife, when we first started Club Pure, the Lord, number one, spoke to her to start Club Pure. Right? Then for our first summer camp program, the Lord said, charge $55. Now, I don't know if you understand the price of things when it comes to taking care of children. They're not expensive. They're a blessing. So think about it, right? Field trips, staff members, arts and crafts, activities, all that kind of stuff, right? $55 might cover the activities and your rent and your electricity, but it, did, it wasn't enough money to pay the salaries, the wages. But she heard the voice of God. So what do you do? Do you go by the budget or do you go by what God said? But it's scary because if I do this and I didn't hear right, we're in deep trouble. But she knew she heard the voice of God. So we started promoting $55 a week for summer camp program. 125 kids showed up. We were packed wall to wall. It was actually the housing market just crashed in 2009-10. And people were struggling financially. And they couldn't afford the camp prices that were going around at that time. And so... As she stepped out to do it, suddenly a grant opened up where all the salaries would be paid. But she didn't know that beforehand. She had to hear the voice of God. And as she obeyed, the provision came. That's living by faith. That's living by uh, Luke 4.4, man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is the relationship we have with God, where God begins to speak to you, lead you, and guide you, and you live by what He says, not by the circumstances. We live by the Word, because that's the foundation that we build our lives on. Because if you're going to build your life based on circumstances, it changes every single day. So one day things are good, the next day things are bad. So I can give today, but I can't give tomorrow. And so that's not stability. God wants you to be stable. He wants you to be rooted and anchored in principles that are timeless. It doesn't matter what circumstance or situation you're in. These principles will work for you. And you say amen. That's why we, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. So I'm a spirit. I'm going to let my spirit man lead. So lost... Uh, let, me, let me have Selena come. Grab a microphone. So tell them the fir about the first time that God spoke to you and how you heard his voice. Um, Jamaican restaurant. Correct. So, um, yeah, it wasn't the um, first time, but um, what happened was we were going through 
um, something with our business and it just wasn't going well. So I was just standing and believing and just getting in my word and praising. And um, so God told me, um, I'm going to bring you through this. Like you don't, you just trust me and you keep doing what you're doing and I'm going to bring you through. So when we were um, on Sunday at church, um, God spoke to me and he was like, I want you to um, give your testimony now. Don't wait until I do it. I want you to tell people what I'm going to do before I do it. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. So I must be you know, I'm like, I know God's going to bring me through, you know, and I'm encouraged. And he's like, tell the people. And I'm like, no way, because if, if that doesn't happen, then I just told everybody that was going to happen. Like, if this is you speaking, then and you want me to tell the people that you're going to bring me through before you bring me through and give my testimony now, then you're going to have to call me out because I'm not getting up out of this seat and asking for a mic. And first of all, I don't speak in front of people back then. I didn't speak in front of anybody. I was very fearful just to speak in front of a crowd. I wouldn't even speak to someone, you know, one-on-one because I had so much fear to do that. And I'm like, and you want me to speak in front of people? Like, you're going to have to call me out or I'm not going to do it. So I'm like, if this is you, Lord, call me out. And then the next thing I know, like, I'm in worship and Pastor Nick is like, Selena, come up here. You have something to say. And I'm like, all right. I can do this. (laughs) I can do this. So I went up there. I gave my testimony, and God showed himself faithful, and he brought us through, and we were on top. So uh, that was the story. Awesome. (laughs) Give me that mic. Thank you. Where's Jessica at? Jessica. So come and share with us what happened just recently. So um, back in about December, I was up for a job that I thought I wanted. And all the while, I'm hearing God say, like, Jessica, you know you don't want this job. You hate this job. This place is toxic. You need to leave. But at that point, I didn't listen to him. I was like, no, I'm just going to apply for it. Well, the night before I was supposed to get the call to say whether or not I got the job, I just got down on my knees. I prayed, God, if this is not for me, you just, whatever you say, do, that's what I'm going to do. I didn't get the job. I got the call. Nope, you didn't get the job. Okay. I was a little upset at first. I was a little mad. But I was like, okay, God, um, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And he said, you need to leave. You're done here. Your, your service is done here. You've put in enough time. This place is toxic. This is not the place of my word. You need to leave. So I was like, okay. But this is the only job I've really ever had since I graduated nursing school in 2007. I was at this job for over 14 years. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to listen to you. So I, one day I, um, I actually I picked up a night shift, and I hadn't worked night shift in a long time. And I'm like, okay, before I leave, I'm going to go ahead and put this two weeks notice in. So I typed the email. I honestly, I had no idea what I was going to do exactly. Uh, you know, I had all these ideas in my, in my head of, well, maybe I'll do this and maybe I'll do that. And um, I put my two weeks notice in. And um, like every opportunity that presented itself to me was like, 
but no, that's going to take you further away from God. Like, so I had to like figure it out for myself. Like I was asking other people, but they wouldn't really, like I was asking like Pastor Misty and I like made a post in our little band app and you know, but I know that like we were talking, me and Pastor Misty were talking about this, like if I had really reached out to more people and listened to what people had to say, they would have said, go where the money is. Go take that travel nursing job. Go make that $10,000 a week. Go, you know, go where. But if I had a, or if I really had listened even to myself, I would have just been like, yeah, I'm going to do this. But no, it would have took me away from church on Sundays. It would have took me away from being able to have a schedule where I can go to church on Wednesdays. I can go to, you know, women's retreat and all these things. Like, it would have taken me away. So, lo and behold, you know, I'm picking up shifts just at a local hospital, and I get an email one day saying, hey, we saw your resume uh, on Indeed. We'd like you to come in for an interview. So I'm like, okay. So I went in. I got the job. It's a Monday through Friday. No weekends. No holidays. I have never had a job like this ever. In, since, since I started working at the age of 15, I have never had a job like this. Okay? The money is just a little bit more than what I was making at the job that I was at for over 14 years. So it's, and so that's the job. So I was like, yes, this is it. Like, and when I got that email, like saying like, welcome, you know, we want you to, you know, here's your, you know, onboarding, you know, offer letter. I like, I'm at Sam's Club in the parking lot, just parked, like praising Jesus, like, thank you, God. Like, this is what, and that was the first time that I actually listened to him, stepped out on faith and listened to him. Like, it was scary now because I had no idea where he was taking me. But I was just like, okay, God, I'm, I'm, I'm along for this ride. I'm just going to do whatever. Like, the bills are going to be paid because you said they're going to be paid. So I'm just going to do what you say. So I'm, like, really, really thankful that God is taking me where he's taking me. Amen. Thanks. Pretty cool, right? So here Jessica, she's hearing, quit your job. And look, we don't recommend you quit your job until you know where you're going. You had a backup plan, but when it comes to faith, God speaks to Abraham and says, leave your mother and father's house. There's a place that I'm going to take you to. He didn't tell him where he was taking him. He just said, start walking and I'll lead you and guide you on the way. That's living by faith. That's you trusting and relying and to hear, you know, the voice of God every single day for yourself. Can you say amen? Like... You can put me on speed dial, but if you, I don't know what you need. God knows what you need. So my position here is not to get you to come to me every week like, Pastor, what do you think I should do? We should confirm what God's already telling you to do. And so we got to bring you to the place where you can hear God for yourself. And we want to lay down some of the principles and share some of the stories with you where you can grab this thing and believe that it can happen to you. Right, And so one of the first things that you have to do is you have to get rid of the sinful stuff that you're doing. That's number one. Number two, you've got to get your heart clean. 
Because if there's chaos, judgment, anger, bitterness, swirling around like a windstorm on the inside of you, you can't hear God clearly. If your life is focused on all your selfish ambitions and all the things that you want to do and all your problems and all your issues, there's no hearing God because there's no peace on the inside of you. And so you have to settle those things. So what happens if you have a busy schedule? Like, we're busy. We've got family. We've got work. We've got laundry. We've got shopping. We've got cooking. We've got all kinds of stuff coming against us. Sometimes when we go into prayer, in the beginning it was like this. It was really hard to get into God's presence. What I had to do was I had to get a notepad, not my phone, a notepad. Leave your phone outside of the room. It is a distraction. The minute you want to go into time with Jesus, I'm just going to take it in for music. Leave it outside. Turn it off. I had to have a notepad, and while I was praying in the Spirit, trying to press in, I got all these things popping into my head. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. You haven't dealt with that yet. Misty needs this. The kids need that. You make a punch list. If you don't make a punch list, it doesn't come out of your head. You need to write it down on paper and say, okay, I've got it out of my head. It's on paper. It's number three on the list. I'm going to get to it. If you don't get it out of your head, it's going to keep swirling and it's going to consume your time. Are you with me? Then when I'm in God's presence, I'm not praying in English. Asking God for everything I need. God already knows your needs before you even ask Him. You don't have to worry about your needs. If you live righteously and seek first the kingdom of God, all these things shall be added unto you. So don't waste your prayer time asking God for stuff. Spend your prayer time saying, God, what's in your heart? How can I serve you today? Is there anything on the inside of me that needs to change? Is my life pleasing to you, Lord? How can I serve you today? Is there anything you want me to do for other people? I am here as your hands, your feet, your mouthpiece. When you get your eyes off yourself and ask God to show you what you can do for other people, He'll begin to talk to you. The Lord talks to me more about giving to people than anything else. And like Mike was sharing earlier, he says, he sees the guy coming up asking him for money. Anytime I have somebody come up to me and ask me for money, you know what goes through my head? I would rather be in the position to help this person than being that person coming to me to ask for things. I'd rather be in the position to help someone than being in the position of being needy. And I came to this revelation that if I am able to help someone and I refuse to help them, when it's my time of need, there'll be no help for me. Because the only life you live is in this moment right now. But we worry about tomorrow. We worry about the end of the month. We worry about things happening months down the line. And so because your mind is focused on another time in your life, do you have it in the now to help this person? Is God leading you in the heart to do something in this situation? If He is, live in the moment. And God will take care of your next moment. How many of you have seen those, those, those annoying steel ball thingies where you pick the one up and you release it and it hits and then the ball on the other side goes flying? If you pick two up, then two go flying. 
that, that image popped into my heart this week. And the Lord said to me, every time you make a decision, you release energy. And that energy is coming back to you. People call it karma. But I saw it like that. Every decision you make releases something that's returning to you. So every time you make a decision and you do something, if it's good, it's coming back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Because anything you do for the kingdom of God doesn't return the same way. But the opposite is true. People are needy and you refuse to help them. When you're in your time of need, there's no help for you. So I woke up Friday morning. There's this pastor that's in Kenya. And he has a school. He has, 300, he has like 300 kids in the school. It's a private school and there's no government funding. So they have to rely on the tuition from the parents. Well, parents don't always have the money for school uniforms and all these different things. So we support them. Just want you to know that we send $500 over there every single month to just provide basic supplies and needs and food and whatever they need for the school, right? So the pastor contacts me, and he tells me about all his projects. Like I'm the financial advisor that's funding his projects. Like, why me, Jesus? Like, he sends me the punch list. And I said, listen, dude, you need to pray to Jesus and ask him, you know, where your funding source is. I am not your bank account. Every time you have a project, you come to me. And so I was irritated with the guy a little bit. But Friday morning, I woke up. And look, we were giving. We have been giving. I always give extra. He, like, sends me a text saying, the government came by, they want tax money. If I don't pay them, they're going to shut my school down. So we send a couple of hundred bucks. He had an accident where he's driving on, on, on a taxi. The taxis over there are, are, are bikes, and you have a seat that you sit on like this, and the motorcyclist weaves and cuts through. Well, there was sheet metal sticking out, and it caught his leg and almost took, took the back of his leg off. I mean, it was open. He sent me the pictures. I'm like, dude. Don't send me pictures of your internals hanging out. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't handle that very well. So we sent him money for the hospital bill, you know, to get his leg fixed up, right? Well, then he says, we're building a church. Great, build it. What does it have to do with me? Right? So then the Lord works on you, like he sends me pictures. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So we send him the money to pay for the bricks, all right? They make their own bricks. They put fire under it and burn it, and they made their own bricks for the church. It's pretty crazy what they're able to do. Friday morning, I wake up, and in my heart, I'm like, you got to send the guy $1,000. I'm like, really, Lord? Is that what you want me to do right now? Fine. So I go, I go on, and I say, hey, how are things going? He's like, Oh, we finished building the walls. Now we need to put the roof on it. I said, well, how much is the roof going to cost? $780. The money lands. So excited. Thank you, Pastor. God is so good. I said, put the roof on. And I know there's another project coming. But it's better to be in a position where you have the ability to help people. But you need to hear the voice of God. You know, last week I was irritated, but Friday morning I woke up and I knew I had to do it, right? So I'll take it on a personal level. 
So my wife says to me, a couple of months ago, we walk into Sam's. My wife looks at some jewelry and she says, I really like that piece. Well, we were buying a piece of jewelry for somebody else at that time. And I'm like, we're not buying two pieces of jewelry today. Okay. So then three weeks later, I go to Sam's and I come home and she's like, while you were at Sam's, did you happen to pick up my piece of jewelry? I'm like, no, babe. And she's like all disappointed kind of thing. And now I'm not going to be moved by emotion. Oh, is that what I said? Oh, I brought her something home. What did I bring you? So I brought her something home. I don't know what, I can't remember. It was just something, whatever. I got you something. So she's like, oh, did you get me the piece of jewelry that I wanted from Sam's? I'm like, no. That's like a couple of thousand dollars, and this is like 20 bucks. You know, it's a big difference. So yesterday morning, I wake up. And the Lord says to me, go to Sam's and get your wife the jewelry. (laughs) So when the Lord speaks to you, it becomes easy because now you're living to please God. This is not about pleasing my wife. This is about being led by the Spirit of God. And when the Lord releases you to do something, even though I want to do it, I want to wait on Him for the right timing. The right timing is very important. In the beginning, when the Lord would begin to speak to me about doing stuff, I would hear God and I would get so excited. I'd be so overwhelmed. The Lord wants us to do this. We're going to do it now. And then my wife would say to me, well, we can't do that right now. Oh, you just don't, uh, the, the, you just want to steal my thunder. You, you know, you disobedient, rebellious woman. You need deliverance. No, there is a perfect timing. Look at somebody. <laughs> Look at somebody and tell them they are things. There are things that the Lord says to you that are for an appointed time. They're instant things, but then they're things for an appointed time. Can you say amen? And so the Lord would speak to me about things for an appointed time, and there's seed, time, and harvest. There's preparation that has to happen for us to enter those things. But me, I just hear God and I've got vision. This is where we're going. That's the end of the road. But then you need somebody who can put a structure together to help you get there, man. And if you don't listen to the person in your life that puts structure in place, you are going to hurt yourself every time. And so I wouldn't listen to her. I got this. God said it. Start running, fails. And then I go back, and then I would hear, I told you so. You were right, baby. Are you okay? I told you so. I'm like, yeah, I missed it. The problem was I did that a lot. I didn't learn the first time. I didn't learn the second time. I don't think I learned like at maybe the 20th time. It was somewhere around that marker that it 
finally struck me that the woman God put in my life carries stuff to complete the puzzle. And if we don't work together and come into agreement, we're not ready to move forward. The last thing that you want to do in your household with your wife, if you're married, is make a decision to do something and she's not on board. Or your husband is not on board. Because if you're not in agreement, when the pressure comes, because pressure will come, the test is going to come. Did God really say? The last thing you need is the person next to you to tell you, I told you so. No. When that pressure comes, what you need is the two of you look at each other together and say, we heard from God and we're going to overcome and break through this thing. So, you know, last year, (laughs) this is crazy. Sometimes you think you know what God is saying, but you don't really know what he's saying. Like, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Like, I'll tell you lots more stories, but let me find this really quickly. The last thing that you want to do is when you have a dream is try and interpret your dream when you wake up. Look at the person next to you and tell them when you have a dream, don't try and interpret it. Don't go to other people to ask them for the interpretation. There's plenty of people that want to give you their hieroglyphics and whatever to explain your dream to you. What I find is when I have dreams that are kind of obscure and they're not very clear. There's some dreams that are very clear. And you wake up and you know. But then there's other dreams that you have are like, ah, what does this mean? I can't quite figure it out. It seems a little confusing. Right? What you do is you write the dream down. And you trust the Lord. And you say, Lord, reveal this to me. Show me what to do. Lead me. Guide me. Some things the Lord shows you, He keeps them hidden from you. And it's, it's like you come to a day where you step and the dream you had has now happened. And now you look back at the dream and you say, this is what the Lord meant. In the beginning, I'd have these dreams and I'd write them out and then I'd interpret my own dreams. When it would happen and it would unfold like the Lord intended it for it to happen... I would look back at what I wrote, and I'm like, I missed it. I was way off. Right? And I spent so much time trying to figure out these things that I couldn't understand. Right? And so there's some things that you need to leave. If it's not clear, wait on the Lord to reveal it to you. Don't be running around to get interpretation from a hundred different people. Because every person is going to give you a different interpretation. Amen? So... Last year, the Lord spoke to us about giving an offering worth a year's wages, right? Who was here for that? If you're here, raise your hand and say, I was here. And so, when the word came to me, like last year in March, I was thinking, well, the previous year's wages were $124,000. So, I'm committing in my heart that we're going to give $124,000 this year as a church. It was a giant step for us. Because the year before, we only gave like $24,000, $25,000. In the first offering of last year, we gave our entire giving budget for the previous year away. And then the Lord said to me, I want you to give a year's worth of wages through that story. And I was like, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm trusting you. 
So when the Lord speaks to you to do something, you don't always know how to do it, but you need to say, yes, Lord. When Mary had the angel come to her and say, you're going to have a child, and she says, I'm a virgin, it's not possible. I don't understand how this is possible, but yes, whatever you want to do, right? And so we started the journey. We didn't, we didn't calculate it. I just went by what the Lord said to me. Give to this, give to that, give to that. By the end of the year, as you all know, we shared it. We ended up giving $195,000, right? Which was way more than what we originally intended. So I was blown away. We were all blown away by what happened. This week, I needed some financials. And so I asked Selena to prepare them and send them to me. And when she sends me um, the church's giving for last year, it wasn't 195000 I actually made a mistake, guys. And I need to repent. I lied. In, unintentionally. We gave 226000 I was just going off stuff I had in my head. Well, then, listen to this. Then, she showed me our giving from Club Pure. And when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Another $132,000 that we gave out of Club Pure. Do you know what that totals? $357,000. I am blown away, guys. Wait, the story gets better. The story gets even better. Last year, we brought in 334000 We gave more than what came in, a whole year's wages. I thought God wanted us to give the previous year's wages. He was saying, you're going to give this year's wages. So sometimes we think we know. You start the journey and you think you've got something in your head, but God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond anything you can ask or think. When you're starting out hearing what God says, you think you know, but you really don't know. You're just beginning to understand, you understand the first step, but you don't know where God is taking you. And it's way bigger than anything you can figure out. So hearing God and obeying God and following God in the everyday whispers and when he shows you things and he puts things in your heart to do, you need to obey him in the little steps. Because it's in the little steps that he leads you step by step to where he wants to take you. Can I get an amen? So what happens if you're really struggling? What happens if you're struggling to hear God? What if there's a lot of chaos and you don't know how to break through? Look at the person next to you and, and, and tell them, brace yourself. Because I'm going to give you the key to hearing God this week. If you want it, you can have it this week. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I'll let you figure this out on the inside. It, how desperate are you to hear the voice of God? That's what it's going to take. It's going to take a hunger and a desperation. And the quickest way to hear God is to fast. All right, service is over. <laughs> the quickest way to hear God when you have chaos in your life, when your flesh is raging, 
is you have to silence the flesh. You have to starve it to death. You have to, if you, if you tell your flesh no food, your flesh is going to come out like tiger. It's coming out like, ah! <laughs> It's coming out like Godzilla. It starts screaming and raging. You're going to kill me. You got to eat. I'm lightheaded. I'm going to die. And it screams at you. Your stomach goes. And you're like, I'm so hungry. When you don't fast and you don't think about eating, you can go the whole day. No problem. But the minute you tell your flesh no, it's like telling your children no. Have you seen those kids in Walmart? I hope it's not your kids. I want this toy, mommy. No. Like, you think there's child abuse happening on aisle 13. Selena prophesied it earlier. Eat less, give more. <laughs> so what you have to do is you have to silence your flesh. What you feed lives, what you starve dies. If you don't feed your body, your body becomes weak. And your body, all the desires in your body actually shut down. And when you shut that down, you, you don't have all this stuff raging anymore. The second thing you have to do is you have to cut yourself off from everything. TV, your phone, people, all that other stuff. Grab your Bible, go lock yourself in a room, say, God, I'm not coming out until you speak to me. When is a good time to do this? Do it on a Friday. Start Friday, take Saturday, put yourself away, read your Bible, have some Advil with you too, a case of water. Because day two, all the toxins start coming out of your system, and that's when your headaches rock around. Because you didn't have your coffee fix. Who's with me? Day two, you feel like death warmed up. You're struggling. You're going through all this emotion. about, But the way, you wake up on day three, and there's a silence on the inside of you. There's a strength because your spirit man kicked in. And that's when you start to hear the Lord. You have to overcome all the noise and the dictates of the flesh pulling you and making you do all these things. You have to silence it. Be still and know that I'm God. You have to come to a place where if you're struggling to hear God, you have to submit your flesh to fasting. And it's a quick way to break through, guys. But it's how hungry are you? Are you willing to give up a few meals? When you're giving up those meals, it feels like this is forever. But think about it. If you get the flu and you're sick and you don't eat for three days, it's like no problem. But why is it when you tell your flesh no that you have, a, have this uproar? Because the flesh wants to be in control. And you're saying you're not in control. My spirit is in control. And I'm changing the way I'm living to walk in the spirit because I'm tired of living in the flesh. And I'm telling you, when you start fasting, you learn how to break through all of those things. 
And eventually you come to a place where you've subdued the flesh to the spirit. Where the flesh man, the soul man no longer leads, but the spirit man begins to lead. Can you say amen? And so I hope these are some practical things and some stories that are going to help you. So I'll say, I'll say this to you. Practically, practically, there is a process of coming to discern the voice of God. If you think about the story of Samuel, Samuel was a young boy. His, his mother, she was barren. The Lord gave her a child, and she promised to dedicate this child to God. So when the child was of the right age, she brought him to the temple, and she committed him to the work of God. And Samuel was raised by Eli in the temple. And so when he was, uh, I don't know how old, he was a boy or a kid still, maybe in his teens. He was in the presence of God, sleeping in the temple. And one night he heard the voice call, the voice of God call him Samuel. Well, he thought it was the voice of Eli. And so he ran to Eli and he said, here I am, did you call me? And Eli said to him, no, I didn't call you, go back to bed. Anybody ever have kids that won't go to bed? I need a drink of water. I need to use the restroom. I'm scared. Read me a Bible story. Some people are going through it right now, it sounds like. Go to bed! So the second time he hears the voice, he runs back to Eli. The third time he hears the voice, Eli recognizes that the Lord is calling the boy. And I want you to know the key is you need to be in rest and you need to be in the presence. When you're in rest and you're in the presence of God, you'll hear God. When you are struggling to hear God, God, speak to me. God, God, talk to me. You're not in a position to hear anything because you're in struggle mode. You're in struggle mode. You're not going to hear anything because you're trying too hard. You're trying to hear God in the natural, but you've got to hear God in the spirit. And the only, the environment for that to happen is you need to be in rest, but then you need to come into the presence. How do you get into the presence? Through thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for this. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for being good to me, God. When you have a thankful heart, it's the first step in. Actually, even before thankful heart, if there's anyone you need to forgive or stuff you need to release, that's why you have communion. You have bread and you have your juice. And you come before the Lord and you remember your covenant. In order for me to be forgiven, I have to forgive those who trespassed against me. So you have to come to the place where you forgive other people their sins so God can forgive your sins. You cannot enter into the presence. That's step one. Step two you have to have peace in your heart. And you start thanking the Lord. Thank you, God. And then you start praising the Lord. Lord, you're, you're, you're a healer. You're a deliverer. You're a savior. You know, you start calling out to God who he is and recognizing who he is. And you'll start feeling the presence of God draw near to you. And there's different things. When the Lord shares his heart with you, you feel what he feels. Sometimes we think it's us. But I remember a time we were getting ready to do an outreach. This was in South Africa before I moved here. We were in Cape Town. Uh, we, the, the youth ministry started exploding. And I felt really strong in my heart we needed to do an outreach in the community. 
So we joined with another church, and we got this whole thing going. We had a band. We had food. We had inflatables. We had all this stuff. We found a neighborhood where we were going to do it all in. We did flyers, right? So we had a prayer meeting a couple of days before this event. And while we're all praying in the Spirit, believing the Lord and trusting the Lord to, you know, make an impact in the community, the pastor from the other church started walking around laying hands on people and praying for them. Well, when he came and laid his hand on me, I went into a vision. And in the vision, I saw a father. It was freezing cold. It was a freezing cold day. And there was this rapids, the river. Have you ever seen those wild, rapid river, water, whatever? I don't have words for it right now. But there was this raging river of freezing cold water. Rocks and turns and twists. And it was really deep. And the father, this father was standing there screaming at the top of his lungs because his son had fallen into the water. And he couldn't rescue this child from the water. And the emotion that I felt from the father's heart for the lost gripped my heart where it was too much emotion for me to handle. When I came out of the encounter, I had four people holding me down, telling me it's going to be okay. Because I was screaming like the Father was screaming in the vision. And there are moments where God will share His heart for you, with you, that will wreck you. They will mess you up. God will break your heart for the things that break His heart. Why do we want to win the lost? Because I had this encounter and God showed me what his heart is for the lost. That's why we're a soul winning church, guys. Because people without God, God is crying out for them. But God isn't coming out of heaven to save them. He already did everything he can to save them. He's relying on us to be his hands, his feet, and his mouthpiece to share the gospel with the hurting, lost, and dying world. So everything we do is about winning people to Jesus. Because God doesn't want a single person to go to hell. And we can, get, we, can, we can get so caught up in programs and music and lighting and sound and, you know, how we look and how, how, how successful we are that we forget the mission. And the mission is reaching people at the end of the day. I'm just so glad to be a part of the family. Got you and you got me